This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking about photojournalism today. And I've been lucky enough to assemble a good all-star cast um, from, I guess, nine publishing, it's called these days, but uh, more particularly the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Joining us is um, Mags King, the managing photo editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. Welcome, Mags. Thank you. And she's brought along two of her all-star snappers. We've got uh, Chief Photographer Nick Moir. Moyer. Moyer. <laughs> Nick Moyer. And the multi-award winning Kate Garrity. Kate, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So it's great to have you all here. The sort of reason we're doing this is because the um, Herald's involved in the head-on photo festival that's on at the moment. You've got a... a part of that called Photos 1440. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that, Max. Yeah, um, Photos 1440 started about nine years ago, so it's doing very well, obviously. It was started by my predecessor, Sandra Harrison. Um, the behind, behind the name is that there are 1440 minutes in a day, and in those minutes, Herald photographers capture the moments that make up the day. It basically speaks to the sort of, you know, the breadth and depth of the stories that we cover on a daily basis. So depending on when people listen to this podcast, it's the uh, exhibition's on in Sydney. Paddington Reservoir. Yeah. And it's running until... May 19. May 19. Okay. Is there... Is there stuff online as well for, for people out of town who's sort of interested? Um, yes, I, th- I believe we've got a gallery that's online, uh, 9.com.au. Right. Um, but we've also done sort of preview um, in print. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. S- certainly on Instagram, we've got um, yes. multiple galleries and, you know, a, a larger selection of the imagery as well. Yeah. And now do both uh, Nick and Kate have images as part of the... Um... Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yep. Tell us a little bit about this. Is weird in a podcast, isn't it? Where we can't really show the photos, but just tell us what what are the what are the, a couple of the key images that you've each got? Uh, well, the best ones are my ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, look, um, my couple of images uh, tend to be around the things that I specialise in, which is environmental um, issues, storm chasing. Uh, one of the photographs is of a um, a thunderbird, rusting thunderbird car out in the middle of. Um, uh, a field in uh, Texas uh, last year during a storm chase and a storm pushed up a big dust storm in front of it. Um, it wasn't particularly trying to say anything um, spectacular about the environment or anything rather than it just gets really dusty ahead of the storm, but um, people will look into it um, see other things. The other one is um, I've been doing some work on um, feral animals and um, uh, f- feral deer are actually becoming, you know, they're taking over most uh, much of Fox. the east coast, mm-hmm. east coast of Australia, and um, so it was a a dead deer um, in the Cozzy National Park. But um, it's actually quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful colour. Um, so those are my two. And Kate has got. So the photograph that I have is of a mother and child. Uh, when you look at it, you might just see, you know, uh, just that um, a woman holding her her infant. But what it actually is is. Uh, the lady is a survivor of sex slavery in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And myself and David Rowe spent uh, several weeks there. One of those days, um, we interviewed numerous women who had been sex slaves. And the reason why they came forward is so that the women who are still enslaved, uh, you know, the awareness is, um, is brought to their attention, basically. Yeah. The... Um now, we're going to be talking to both our um, 
photographers during this podcast. In particular, I want to speak to um, Nick about his interest in the weather. I'm not sure if it's a weather obsession, but but you take some great images and you, um, I don't know if you're called a storm chaser or not, but we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to talk to Kate too about she's done some great work around the world, so it'd be fascinating mm-hmm. to hear some of those stories. But Mags, let's start with you. Talk to a little bit about um, looking after the photo desk at something like the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah, um, I'm very proud of the department. Obviously, it's it's quite a small team. There are only 10 photographers currently and we cover Canberra, so federal um, FedPol um, and Sydney Morning Herald, Sun Herald, uh, Australian Financial Review and that sort of covers news, features, magazines. So it's it's intense. It's an intensive sort of de- uh, department because we're having to sort of make sure that we're covering the main events as well as the, all the things that, you know, the light and shade of everything. Um, it's really, I'm, I mean, I think it's an, in, an incredible um, achievement to uh, s- maintain a, a, a visual department in this day and age, uh, globally especially. Um, and we've recently taken on Dominic Lorimer, who's also hel- helping Alex Ellinghausen um, in covering the federal elections. And as you may know, that um, Alex was awarded the Press Gallery Journalist of the Year, which has never been, you know, never happened before in, in that in the history of that award, which I think is very timely as well. Uh, yeah, no, I certainly, obviously, we all love photography, and it's um, a, a very collaborative team. Um, and each one bring their own sort of um, interest and expertise, which is important in any sort of diverse department. Um, but I would say that they're all rounders, really, because, um, you know, there are jobs that are very sort of, mon- they appear mundane, but it, it, if it, it, like court jobs often, but it's obviously, you know, that's our nature of the business, breaking news, um, as well as sort of, you know, food covers and things like that. But my job really is managing the daily paper as well and online as well as managing the department, their sort of requirements. And so, yeah, it is, it is busy. How long have you been doing that work? So um, seven years this year. Okay. Um, and I was a features photo editor at the Sydney Morning Herald for many years. And it was a, a, an area that I never really saw myself going into. You know, when they asked me to do this job seven years ago, it was one of those things that you think, no, that's not me. You know, that's not the kind of person I am. But I'm, you know, looking back, it was de- definitely the biggest challenge I've ever done, really. Sure. And well, the, the photographers might want to comment on this too in a minute too, but your biggest audiences are now with the online, mm. with what you publish online. Mm-hmm. Has that changed the demands and, and what you need to provide audiences much? Um, okay, well, visually... Um, I still think it's very important that photography breathes online. I think it's thought um, it's really important that we recognise the power of an image, and certainly the people in the newsroom do recognise that because if you've got a strong DEFCON, I mean, you know, the homepage, the, the traffic will be, you know, it's there, it's evident. Um, there are sort of certain uh, production, not issues, but we are still improving in that in the way photography is presented, and we're continuously educating people. Ed- educating probably sounds a bit condescending, but, you know, and people won't agree with that. But, uh, you know, not everyone's a visual person and that's an ongoing thing to sort of show that, yes, you recognise the strength of a good image, but you need to actually present it that way and you need to be clever of how, how you prioritise which picture as well. But often it's the time, it's the time constraints that people just go, okay, let's just, you know, just put the image in there so it's online straight away. But the good thing is that we can always sort of revisit and, you know, yeah. do it properly. Are you 
with online too, do you get the, get the option of giving people the the choice of more photos if they want it? Maybe yeah, I buy, mean, look, if you want more, there's a gallery here or something. Yes, we do that. And and that's our, our call as well. And sometimes people will say, you know, uh, we actually need a gallery. And you can make that call. You think, well, actually, that's not a that's not a very visual story. Or, you know, let's not bombard people with, with sort of mundane stuff that it's not even going to get the hit. So we do galleries when we think it's it's appropriate. Um, and we have a special sort of basket that we edit the pictures that is available for um, the print people as well as online. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, you're the chief photographer down there. Do you uh, argue much with mags over <laughs> what stuff should get used, how many images, um, what's the best one, et cetera? No, not at all. Mags um, sort of knows us all really, really well. Um, she's got a really great innate understanding of imagery. Um, she also knows that when we um, send in our pictures that we'll be editing down to what we want anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she's, you know, 99.9% of the time she's correct. Oh, my God. Except when she gets it wrong. <laughs> Is that a compliment? <laughs> wow. Well, no, that's, uh, that point. One percent is the times it's that I hold against you, and, and yeah. I wake up at night grinding my teeth. But um, I do that too, strangely. It's um, yeah, no, no, no. Um, we're a pretty solid um, team. Mm. I mean, we've yeah. been through some pretty um, heavy stuff um, mm. in the last decade with uh, job losses and mm. also just the industry changing. Um, and um, to, you have to sort of. I mean, we've always been quite a tight unit, but. I've been there for 25 years and there was uh, a lot more, I guess, in some ways nasty competition between some of the photographers. Uh, it's not like that. Um, everybody's like really respectful of each other and, um, and encouraging. But I, I guess it's, there's a lot of room to specialise um, these days because there's so few of us. Yeah, and I, I think it sort of brought us in together to focus on what's important. And, and it sounds really cheesy, but it is, it is really a team effort, mm. you know. Yeah, Tell you, me. You, you really, after what went through, you had to be really, yeah. um, you really on the same to, page. You, you had, well, also that um, you were obsessed, not just you like photography, you had to love newspapers and mm-hmm. you had to be really believe in um, telling the stories um, and that. Through the know, platforms yeah. that we have, yeah. I mean, we're, we're not just competing against other news organisations, we compete against um, amateur pros and the, mm-hmm. the, the public. Yeah. Tell me, Nick, you, you said 25 years been there. What give us a, an idea of how much it's changed? I mean, at the at its peak, how many shooters do you reckon you would have had working across all the titles? Um, I remember we had about ninety something um, photographic staff, but that included people who were working on um, uh, you know the processing machines okay. and the photo desk staff. But yeah. there would have been you know fifty something photographers. Wow. Yeah, um, immense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, ten still sounds reasonable reasonable amount, but when yeah. you hear it used to be fifty, I oh know. Lord. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and that's compared to some of the the papers around the world, um, pretty small. And, and that mm. was what was in Sydney, and and that that was like there would be the same amount in Melbourne. There'd be so the, like okay. yeah, they'd have freelancers yeah. in Brisbane and and around the country. Um, yeah, it's. It's and there been... were more photo editors as well. I mean, the desk, mm. when I first got into SMH 12 years ago, there were about 11 or 12 people on the desk. So when we had an admin support and, and all that stuff. So I, I really think that we are functioning uh, amazingly well, mm. considering. it's We've had to really nail down the efficiency. I mean, I, I won't pretend that, um, <coughs> that, that management at times have been... Um, my best friends, <laughs> but um, it's a pretty, while we still have our issues, it's a pretty tight run mm-hmm. ship. Um, 
with what we get done compared to, say, a massive organisation like ABC or something like that. It's like there are times when I hear about uh, stuff going over there, I go, you guys have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We've also added uh, certain things to our role. Like mm-hmm. we know in the past uh, a journalist would um, organise trips or organise assignments. Uh, I think every photographer at the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age are very integral in in formulating story ideas, coming up with their own stories and then pitching campaigning for how it will run. So it's it's, yeah. it's changed a bit as well. Yeah, and that's where you value experience and you can't replace that. You know, that's when, when you have a, a team that has got that experience and the, the, the correct sort of ethical values, it, it makes the, the work, the daily grind, you know, you, you have trust, basically. Mm. In some ways, um, the photographers have been the most responsive to change mm. in the 25 years I've mm. been there. I mean, I think... Uh, like as far as digital, um, like the the very first change we faced was um, scanning in the negatives, um, and that was in about 1995. And then we went to digital cameras, and then video we started getting yeah. We for a or while we were even slides. doing video, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, multimedia, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, but the, the, one of the biggest changes was um, uh, smartphones, and so we were at one stage the slowest form of of media like you had to take a photo go and get it developed print it mm-hmm. then it would go in the paper uh these days we compete with radio like we can get it out yeah. there within under a minute um sometimes it can even be live i think 24 seconds is our quickest from shot to, to mm-hmm. up, up on online um and that's uh, a huge um, advantage yeah massive advantage mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's 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 been us and, and each way each time it's been the photographers have driven those changes, every single little advantage we can get, whether it's um, better cameras with a higher ISO so you can shoot at night without um, flashes and stuff like that, we've grabbed them and just to get that that edge, um, not necessarily against your competitors, but about showing new imagery. Mm. An example this week of, I mean, it wasn't a local story, but the um, Royal Baby. First mm. image was out about nine thirty on Thursday night this week that we're recording this, and I know lots of places. I was out last night, and lots of people were refreshing their phones, waiting for that SMH yeah. Uh, yeah. homepage to carry that first image. You know, so they, yeah. a, a photo can still drive a lot of traffic. I guess. Oh, um, oh, absolutely. And yeah. I was just told yesterday that um, I was actually amazed at the number that a gallery can demand. You know, like um, I think it was nine dot com au where they said that a gallery. Uh, had a, a million hits. Wow. So we'll be sharing our galleries with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Kate, um, how long how long have you been with Nine and before that Fairfax? Uh, 19 years. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now you're, correct me if I'm wrong, you're so probably best known for your sort of travels and, and sort of exciting photos from places people are never going to get to. Um, is that right? Is that? Uh, I've well, definitely specialised in, in covering... Conflict and the aftermath of conflict, uh, including refugee asylum seeker issues. Um, when did that start? Did you? When did you sort of get into that sort of area? Well, I think the, the interest has always been there. My grandparents uh, came from Germany uh, after World War Two, so um, having lived with uh, people who understand what it's like to be uprooted from their home and come to another country. And the, the idea of fleeing um, has always been very present in our in our family. So, you know, I think the first time 
I physically photographed uh, the aftermath of a conflict was in East Timor. Um, I'd taken holidays uh, from the Border Mail and um, went over to see if if I could actually handle photographing or or witnessing that kind of thing. Then, but with Fairfax, oh, it's, um, sorry, with um, the Sydney Morning Herald, it was uh, 2003 when I first photographed uh, or first went to a war and that was the Iraq invasion. I was the first female photographer that the Herald had sent to conflict, uh, photographer-wise. Um, and I don't think anyone can really prepare you for what you're going to see. And I didn't realise it then that, you know, many years later I would be standing once again in Iraq and Syria photographing the the same, you know, kind of story. For example, you know, we were there for the beginning of the war and then last month we were there in Syria for the end of, of ISIS. And to have followed something through for 15 years has been an extraordinary privilege, not just professionally but very importantly to tell people's stories. Um, you know, and we've also uh, covered m- many other things, the uh, tsunamis, mm-hmm. Nick Nick was there um, in Arche, uh, the Lebanon War, Afghanistan, East Ukraine. Ukraine um, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, there's been quite a few. But Sure. Mm-hmm. When you're out on assignment, do you usually are with a journalist or do you sometimes... You're just covering something, and the and the paper will either pick up wire stuff to run with it, or every conflict that I've been to has been with a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, it's a journalist myself and um, a, a local colleague. Um, people call them fixers. Fixers, okay. So, um, yeah, it's a team effort, and I mean, I have done some things. I was in South Sudan for the the day of the vote. For liberation, um, and you, you wrote the story as well. So, yeah, like we said before, our, our roles have changed slightly over the years, um, but it's exciting to 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 be there on the ground and to witness these quite incredible events. Sure. The um, I mean, when you do things like that, and Nick, you go on your travels and you get some amazing photography as well. Is it sometimes hard to come back and do? You know what might some people might consider more mundane. Oh, I'd consider it mundane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, it, it, yeah. it is, um, yeah. and and it's not just uh, about it, it. It's kind of a, a problem. I'm sure quite a few photographers have got issues with um, anxiety issues where you're preparing yourself in whatever exciting thing you're doing. You're you're prepping, Projects. you're prepping, then yeah. you're coming back, and your body's telling you that. Uh, be ready for something and you're just going to be spending each day at court. Having said that, even there, you know, you um, exactly. uh, can be attacked at court. But mm-hmm. um, there's uh, violence around at times. So sometimes you'd be staking out a, a criminal. Um, there are times when you never know when it's going to get dicey and you have to be um, watching your back. So um, it's more, uh, I guess, uh, after a while you've done the same story Many times, um, election campaigns—it's almost the same story, just different faces. Um, however, I guess that's where the professionalism's got to come in, and you, you do your job. And but um, I think one thing that certainly the health photographers have done is they're always looking for a, something original. I mean, I and the internet um, love 
originality. If there's something new, a new way of um, covering um, or, or a new a style of photograph, um, you know, it tends to take off and everybody might copy it or something like that. So mm. um, I guess that's, um, yeah, you're always trying to find something new to um, enliven your day. Mags, I guess the photographers probably set themselves a creative challenge, even if it is, you know, whether it, mm. it might be the, the old yeah. joke about regional papers was the Lawn Bowls tournament or something, you know, yeah. but, but or if it's court or if it's a, a, a um, AGM for a, for a, yeah. a corporate, you know, shoot well, that's, Finland yeah, that's or something. Tricky. You, exactly. you, you set, do you set yourself um, creative challenges on, on jobs? That We tend to do a check on each other, like... Um, when we send out jobs, I mean, personally, I like to sort of speak to the photographer and, and if I have a, a, an idea, I would sort of, you know, voice it out to them and they don't necessarily have to take it on. But I think because I'm in, on the, I'm in the office, I can see how certain things are being designed page-wise or whatever, or even online, you do have an, a sort of inherent vision. I mean, I, I do anyway to sort of think, okay, I think we might approach it this way or think about this particular angle. And... Um, the re- the sort of um, result of that is that you you have a variety of different frames to choose from, um, and also we always think about forward planning. So there's going to be lots of other stories. Maybe it's a portrait. Maybe it's a lunch with with somebody who's rare or who someone is hard to get. You know, and you, we shoot direct portrait just for f- other. So you got good library stuff for the That's future, right? right? Yeah, okay. always. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be yeah the case. I guess AGMs and things like that of companies Absolutely. where, you, where yeah. you're never going to get access to that person again, yeah. maybe in that twelve months. So and, and some people stock the, up the library. Yeah, but some people will say, "Oh, well, why do you have to dedicate two people for that particular AGM?" And it's like, well, because we experience tells you that you are going to need those pictures for certain reactions, certain emotions, and I suppose it's our job to sort of always back that up. You know. Yes. Also, some of those jobs you're talking about. Quite frankly, some of the most visually boring people <laughs> on the planet, mm. and so you have to send your your best portraitist to just mm. to wheedle out that tiny <laughs> yeah. bit of humanity and the nuances, you know, yeah. like yeah. Not that I'm saying all business people are horrible <laughs> and boring, <laughs> but I guess and with things like that, you've just you you shoot a lot of. I mean, they still call them frames. I guess still call them frames. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got to shoot a lot of frames, I guess, to to capture that one that one moment. Uh, some people, it's like, you know what, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 oh, really? Yeah, you're, you're really. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get much more out of you. <laughs> okay. They, they, they'll be look like Herman Munster, like, and that's about as comfortable as they're going to be. It's like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychologist or a, you know. A, a, a surgeon, plastic surgeon, we're not going to do any better. So mm. let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and I'll take the rap for making it look bad. But, um, yeah, look, look um, we do our best. Yeah. <laughs> We've also been shooting a lot of generics. And when it first sort of, when the word generic, every time I see that, I think, oh, do we really need to do that? But you know what? I'd rather have our own photos being used online and multiple times than having a, a bog standard, you know, Shutterstock. I mean, Alamy, excuse me, Alamy, because we do love you. But the thing <laughs> is, you know, like, it's a sense of pride yep. and we, we're all invested in the products that we work for. Well, it's also just an attitude. It's like, yeah. you may say generic, but however, if you said um, a if it's photo, an artistic, photo essay yeah. on the energy industry, it's exactly. like, yeah. yeah. But also it's a historical Archive. Mm. Yeah. The Sydney Morning Herald has been photographing our society, the city, the city, yeah. the state, the country, and around the world. You know how for it's many, changing. Many years. Close, yeah. close to a century now. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you know, when when we take a photograph, we just don't see it as as a news photo for the next day. We see it as mm. a, a a moment of history. 
Now, all that stuff's digitised too now, isn't it, mm-hmm. I think? And, and it has been for the last 20 years, yeah. Has it? Okay, okay. The um, mags, are there things that the you need to tick off every day photographically that that you need areas, certain areas covered every day, yeah. subject-wise maybe? <clears throat> that, that um, Well... I think I'm a real print person because whenever I see the visuals list, our visuals list, we have a visuals list and then you, you have the news list and the news list will start off sort of, you know, two or three lines or whatever and obviously it develops throughout the day. I know there's a certain patter. So it's that sort of light and shade um, and it's down to the relationships that you have within the newsroom, the art editor, the entertainment. And you kind of think, well, if I was a reader, you, you know, I'd like obviously whatever's the splash and the news. But you also want that sense of, you know, journey through the paper. Um, and I'm very sort of con- concerned about that particular element of the paper because sometimes obviously there's lots of news. And it's I, th- I still think that readers really appreciate a journey through the paper rather than just sort of business, 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 news, news, fed, federal poll, you know, you need a breather. Yes. And so, yes, there are certain things where I think I look at my list and I think, okay, that's going to be a news, that's going to be a court job, that's a, a man in suit, blah, 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 blah. Where is my colour? Where is my sense of, you know, oh, that is not beautiful, you know. Um, and we do get letters from our readers saying, wow, what an amazing picture of the Harbour Bridge from, you know, Nick Moyer with the, with the seagulls. And that, we, we value those things because it means that people are actually connected. Yes. You know. mm, I yeah. just, um, that one though, I <laughs> had to say um, that wasn't a seagull, um, that oh, no, was a no. seagull. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, good to be accurate. Uh, Kate, tell me, do you always know when you take, I mean, you've both taken award-winning photos, but do you always know looking through the, the lens when you've got a great shot or do you sometimes find it when you're editing and go, oh, I didn't realise that was... Um... I think there are certain... Feeling. Things that, yeah, certain um, events where you, you take it and you just go, okay, so that's, I mean, I took a photograph of a, an airstrike hitting a car bomb in the old city of Mosul during the last week of the battle uh, against ISIS. I mean, you automatically look at it and go, okay, there's two kids walking up the road, there's a massive explosion. Like, th- these things take, like, nano second sockets um so yes sometimes you do other times you might not uh sometimes the things can be very very fast moving and you might not actually understand the importance of an image till maybe later in the day or a week later um but i think generally you know when when mm. you've taken o- a... Often the struggle is when you recognise the power of a moment occurring in front of you mm. and then going, I need to do this justice, it's important. Mm. Um, for example, um, the crying girl in Mosul would mm. have been something it's like, wow, this is yeah. really powerful moment, I need to go Document and become it. part of this mm. and that's confronting for the photographer as well as the person. Well, mm. I mean, with that photograph of Tabarak, uh, she's lying on the ground in a red dress and it's concealing a, a wound, a shrapnel wound that is, uh, she's very, very, very gravely ill and she's just fled out of, of the old city. And so, you know, you could you could see the, uh, the importance of this image, but before, like with many cases, you'll, you'll actually sit down with the person, you'll speak to them, uh, you'll, um, you know, I don't know, sometimes we, we ask their permission as well, you know, 
there was another photograph of a, a young man, Abdul Rahman, completely uh, covered in, in bandages. And he died four days later. But, you know, when we were with him, we asked him his permission. We didn't want to just rock into this hospital ward and photograph mm. him and not give him the dignity that his 18 years deserved mm. um, or his mother who was standing next to him. So Nick's right, you know, it's um, uh, to take moments, even though you there's the pressure to get this picture, mm-hmm. you, you're also, you're a human being first. Uh, do different photographers have different opinions on the digital manipulation of an image after it's um, taken? We're pretty... Um like the Herald, we've um, developed our own one, and it's extremely strict. Generally, generally, we um, uh, look towards um, a, a competition called the WordPress Photo Competition, and it um, is very, very tight on its stipulations about what is allowed. Uh, essentially, it goes back to what was generally considered um, okay in a dark room, so darkening, okay. um, lightening, and perhaps some changes in contrast and saturation. But once you like removing objects and stuff from the photographs is, is right out. Um, we, I mean, the, the general idea in the public is that we, we alter these pictures, but I can pretty well guarantee you mm. most of the newspapers actually yeah. are actually extremely strict. You, yeah. You're actually most likely to um, find your most trustworthy images uh, are in the in newspaper. And it's it damages our reputation Absolutely. if one of our colleagues was to change that. And yeah. so we... There isn't any. We we literally... even when people start pushing the um, like sometimes there'll be changes in style where what's called desaturation, where mm-hmm. color is taken out of an image. We we will um, um, some photographers like doing that, and we'll kind of discuss with them. Okay, how do you feel about that, and uh, um, and its implications and uh, implications on the um, photograph. Essentially, um, it's just talking amongst ourselves, but it's also um, with some rules that were set out particularly in the 90s uh, by a number of a new sort of breed of photographers that sort of said we need to have a set of standards here, otherwise we're just not going to be believed. So it even goes as far as um, like uh, changing a, a news event where we, we just will not interfere or we will turn it into a portrait where it's mm. like this is very obviously been the set person up. has been taken all over yeah. and, and set up. Yeah. It, there can't be any guesses. The, the public can't be led to think that this um, is real if it wasn't real. Yeah. Mm. It's the same thing if, if people started um, changing quotes. I mean, it's it's completely yeah. unethical. Making up a story you, or something. You cannot yeah. do it, yeah. and and we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about your hardware. What's your brand? Do you shoot... Um Oh, Nick? I'm on, and we're all on, You're uh, all on Nikon at the Nikon? moment. Okay. Uh, all of you. <laughs> Uh, oh, there's a few on Canon. It's yeah, about four yeah. people on yeah. Canon. Uh, okay. I mean, for me, they'll probably hate me saying this, but I mean, they're all kind of, they're all kind of the same. You can get a good. <laughs> I mean, it's you good. You can get a good they're photo good. with different. They're all good. They're not. Uh, it's not. But the do you deciding. get used to one? Yeah. Well, like, well, like the thing was when we went from Canon to from Nikon originally to Canon, the you focus with a, a different way. So. Um, and then we've gone back again. So uh, even though most people are using autofocus, there are times when you'll be manually focusing. So, But um, generally it's just a change in buttons and stuff like that. The real um, big step up is um, uh, is uh, between what we use to what other people use. 
uh, the amateur pros is our cameras tend to be sealed a bit better. They'll mm. ta- handle a bit more um, weather, mm-hmm. and they're also in a titanium shell, so they'll take a real beating. Yeah. Um, like I certainly, and I'm sure Kate would put their cameras through a, a solid beating. They'll put up with a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I use Nikon. I'm actually a Nikon ambassador, so um, okay. sorry about that. Even uh, <laughs> saying that, um, I must say that when I did uh, start using Nikon, the first time was the the flotilla. Uh, we were on a boat. It was four o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, and to be honest, without the, I mean, the change in the technology, I wouldn't have been able to get the photographs that I did that day. Um, but basically, you know. Like Nick said, like we put them through their paces. Um, these cameras are, are quite extraordinary. Um, but there's, you know, at the end of the day, it's your, if you can take it's a photograph craft. with anything, yeah. That, that, yeah. as long like, as you get the shot. The, the quote is, um, you know, the best camera is the one you have on you. Sure. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, there has been a, a real change in the last, say, five years. Um, so what's called ISO, which is the sensitivity uh, of the actual chip in the back, has drastically improved um, to the point now where you can take photographs at night um, that are better than your, what you can see with your eyes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that has allowed some beautiful colour imagery um, and time lapses and stuff. So the, particularly the landscape environment, um, environmental images are really some amazing, beautiful imagery coming out of that. Um, and also just the um, megapixel sizes means you can mm. do a lot more zooms in on, on images um, yeah, it's 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 wonderful to suddenly have you know these these tools. Um, it's uh, yeah, and, and be able to to share them so quickly. Sure, I'm guessing you mightn't have time perhaps these days. But do you ever shoot on film still for a bit of different effect or for a bit of a retro? <laughs> There's certainly plenty of photographers who who do um, and they enjoy it. Um, I have done a little bit of Polaroid stuff, um, but I know a lot of photographers just like the idea of going back and, and learning them, having something to hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my career on film, so to me it's like, uh. <laughs> I think I think it's a really important um, process to have, though, in the back pocket because it teaches you about composition and, and, and it's your craft. It's not a relying on a particular tool. It's what, how you see things, how you frame things. Uh, and also I'm, I'm a... I'm a believer on not wasting, you know, and not being a, not relying on the fact that you can with digital you can just shoot away. It's having that discipline to know what you want and then getting yeah. it. Yeah, that's it a good point. Certainly slowed you down. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. You, you considered. Yeah, exactly. Each frame, and that's a, that's a, a a process that you have, isn't it? To mm. sort of still you to consider. this day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there but, are like some yeah. of the modern photographers, modern photographers. Mark my day. And We we had uh, one frame, and then we had to pull out the glass plate. Um, the you'll see them really blasting away, but it's it's kind of like um, you, you, when you were shooting film, you would be conducting your editing process already. Yes. Then mm-hmm. um, it could get dicey though at times when um, you're up to about twenty five shots on a thirty six roll Ex- film, yeah. and you'd start going, uh, so you'd rewind, and hopefully nothing would happen, and then you'd be. But I, I mean, I can still. I did it the other day. I uh, closed my eyes. I could stick a roll of film in and wind it on with my eyes closed and oh, well, quite happy yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kate, uh, give us a peek inside your travel kit when you're on the road. What's your what's your sort of uh, minimum? What's, what do you take away in terms of hardware? How many, how uh, many hours? What do you, do you travel with? <laughs> Actually, it's a, it's a very tight kit. Mm. It's um, body armour. 
It's a medical kit. It's two bodies, three lenses. She means camera bodies, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, camera bodies. <laughs> you, said, you said body armour first. Yes. Is that like... Kevlar? Kevlar, Kevlar like helmet. All right, so like for yourself, like a protection, yes. yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, the chemical... Mm. Uh, sorry, the medical kits. Um, Sat phone? Uh, satellite phone. Uh, laptop? Or laptop, you... iPad. So with Mosul, we would be on the front line and be filing off the iPad. So within a minute to two minutes, those images were back in Sydney. Okay. Um, you basically have to take everything so that you are completely self-sufficient. Uh, that can even be down to, oh, God, like MRE kits, um, like the, the food, the packaged food, okay. um, enough uh, solar uh, or battery Life battery to, supply, to last. So, and you can solar charge that stuff, can you? Yeah, or, or through a, a car as well. Um, uh-huh. As you know, you've got to. Um, you basically got to think that you'll have no electricity and no running water and no food, mm-hmm. and that's and and recently you've added to that kit. Oh, and now we also uh, the latest trip to Syria. We took um, this device called a Dejiro. It's a, a um, it's a um, what is it? It's it looks a, like it's, by your hands. It looks like it's a boxy <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a device that, or a piece of technology that can send live images back to a TV studio. Okay. So, um, mm. and because we also shoot uh, video when we're on, on assignments as well, uh, if the story warrants it. So, you know, you'd be up all night filing mm. video through this, this machine. So, but that's 20 kilos. So, yeah. basically you have about yeah. two changes of clothes. Yeah. I'm guessing the satellite phone gives you pretty good connection speeds, does it? Because that would be important, uh, Well, it depends. It, it? it utterly depends on, on the operation video. that you're in. Huh? <laughs> hey. not, not if you're trying to send video. Well, no, video. Mm. Uh, yeah. Don't forget it. At least it's a lot yeah. smaller these days. The, the, the one we had previously was massive. Y- yes. Mm. Uh, it, it is. Um, they're a lot faster, but also it depends on the atmosphere and it also depends on militaries. Uh, for example, East Ukraine at the MH17 crash site, you could not get any signal. Um, so militaries will block uh, okay. satellite well, satellite coverage. Yeah. yeah, I guess it depends on where you're going, Nick, but what do you like to, to travel with? I try to be as light as possible um, for weather stuff. I mean, in Australia, I'll... In my vehicle, I'll have um, sleeping stuff and, and food all set up in there so I can go fire wherever gear. I need to. Yeah, fire, fire gear. All that sort of stuff. So, And uh, overseas, I will go um, as light as possible. I'll have yeah. two bodies, but I'll only have two lenses and I'll keep those lenses on those cameras so dust doesn't get in. Um, it's a small amount of clothes. I mean, I, I'm quite used to my smell. And oh. <laughs> everybody else, I'm sure, is probably quite used to it too. Um, essentially, uh, if I, I need something, I'll try and pick it up there. So, um, you, you want to be, you know, um, travel light, move fast, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And also I, I think, um, at times you can, um, you can be obsessed with too much gear and, and not focused on the, necessarily the images you're capturing. It is nice to have options, um, with different gear, but. Um, and I won't even take necessarily a laptop overseas. I'll just use my phone um, just because they don't – the tiny amount of weight um, and you can do everything you actually need to uh, on there. Sure. That sort of leads me into asking you about weather. We should, we should cover this off. Now, can I, 
Can I call you a storm chaser? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. So is it is it all professional though or is it is oh. it a bit of a passion as well? Oh, no, no, it's a passion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, not just a passion and a, even obsession is kind of light. Um, uh, <laughs> it's like I am constantly on the look for any opportunity to get out and, and do storms and stuff in Australia. And with storms and bushfires, um, dust, um, uh, anything like that. But, um, yeah, I um, also go to the US and storm chase. I've been over there. This will be my fifth time in a couple of weeks. Time. What's the season for? Oh, generally it's around there. April through to July, but the real peak is 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 May um, and June. So you'll be going soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks. Okay. And where do you go down that south sort of? Uh... Uh, generally Tornado Alley is sort of um, Texas, that? Oklahoma, Kansas, um, a bit of Colorado, um, that, that sort of region. Sometimes you can get further up into... Um, uh, Nebraska and South Dakota, even North Dakota. Um, essentially, anywhere east of the Rockies, you can get um, tornadic outbreaks. Um, How long have you been doing that? Uh, I think I started. Oh, well, I started chasing in Australia in about '96, um, and my first chase to the US was in 2006. Okay, I'm guessing it's probably grown a little. Is there more people doing it now oh, than when yeah. you first did it? Is yeah. It? I mean, it's also amazing to be part of. But, yeah, there's been thousands of more people, particularly the movie Twister um, really got people out there. Um, but since then, um, it's also a thing where it, it's um, it's not like everything's been discovered. A lot of the, the rest of the world, you know, everything's been photographed. Um, there's a lot of new um, uh, new science coming out of um, uh, out of storm chasing and some of the scientists that are out there doing stuff. I mean, the, the aim is to generally of storm chasing is to give warnings to people that there's a storm that's developing a tornado. Um, and then there's photographers like myself who were involved um, just to photograph how amazing they are. But uh, like uh, the Tornado Alley is where a lot of the the important scientific work in the past 30 years has led to our weather bureau being able to make um, uh, weather uh, forecasts, short-term storm uh, forecasts. Um, it's, it's still... You know, we still don't know all the processes of how a tornado develops, um, and and we get tornadoes in Australia. So stuff that um, they work on over there um, impacts on how things are done here. So um, it's it's amazing to see that happen and to see the process. But also, um, I mean, even in Sydney, when there's a massive weather event, um, it doesn't matter what political persuasion you are. Um, you look out the window and you go, "Wow!" And um, you know, it starts going off on social media. What's the most storm-prone part of Australia? Oh, probably the southeast. Um, I mean, different times, different areas. I mean, the Victorians like to say they get the best storms. The southeast Queenslanders like to say mm. us. I mean, Sydney this year had a massive outbreak on the 20th of December. Um, it was almost unprecedented. There was something like six or seven what we call supercells, which are highly organised um, thunderstorms that... Um, can produce tornadoes. Uh, it was fortunate those storms that day were what are called high-based, so it was difficult for a tornado to reach the ground. But I'd certainly never seen um, any outbreak like that um, that I could remember, and all the other chasers said they've never seen anything like it either. So um, certainly Sydney is a, is a hot spot. I mean, it can go without it for a long time, but then, um, you know, we're not far from where um, a massive supercell ploughed through... Um, Eastern suburbs in '99, and Cornell got a tornado uh, a few years ago, and that's mm-hmm. a low-end t- tornado. So it only took had um, 
it being 10 kilometres to the west, you would have had it going through highly dense um, sort of um, housing areas and instead of, you know, a couple of injuries, you would have seen deaths. So it's well, – people are a bit ignorant about what the weather can do, but when it turns mean, um, yeah, it, it can be scary. Um, while we're just on this tour, any go-to weather apps you'd recommend? Have you got anything you use? <laughs> Uh, yeah, look. I mean, in Australia, um, it's it's all it's not actually it's all about where the data is coming from. Um, but uh, Weather Zone is 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 probably one of the better ones. Um, you have to then um, get uh, you know pay for extra maps. But um, essentially, in the end, it, you have to study some basic meteorology to actually understand okay. what, to read you, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, but the thing is, it is a great thing to do because instead of looking out. And just seeing a blue sky and, and some fluffy clouds, you start being able to read it. A, a lot like um, a surfer will not look out at the ocean to see waves. He'll be able to read, or they'll be able to read the the beach and and see the waves and which direction and where the swell's coming from and where, what the wind's doing, what the currents are doing. Um, it's like being able to do that, except heaps more cooler um, <laughs> and heaps more uh, difficult because. You're stacking that ocean, you know, the, the, those waves, you know, up into to the atmosphere. So, um, yeah, I mean, coming down to it in the end is um, storm chasers are cooler than surfers. Do you have a drone? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, they're they're great, uh, great tool. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, there's certainly plenty of issues about um, <sighs> privacy and, um, and and safe use. Um, however, I found it as a, a fantastic tool to put a camera into a position you would not be able to get to safely um, or, or wouldn't be able to get a camera in at all. Um, there's places where drones can go where helicopters can't um, or their you know, helicopter would be too disturbing. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're an, an amazing tool. Hmm. Kate, I just want to chat to you for a minute now. Now, you mentioned before your um, your personal safety, mm-hmm. your, your helmet and the, the vest you take. I think a lot of people would be interested in in the sort of places you need that. Now, you mentioned um, Mosul before, um, covering ISIS. Give me some some taste of what that what that was like. I mean, we have you always have you varied across the different? Have you ever been on the other side with the with the I guess the ISIS forces or whatever? Or? Uh, no, no. Um, actually, with with ISIS, uh, the the only time that they really uh, came into contact with Western journalists is when they beheaded them. Wow. Uh, so um, there was absolutely no way no. on earth that anybody could um, or, yeah, um, could document the atrocities that they were committing. You know, the the thing with uh, with other conflicts is that there are two distinct or usually two distinct sides. Um, for example, East Ukraine, you know, you can go to uh, the the Donetsk um, People's Republic side. You could document life on there. That, um, in that region, you can then go to the Ukrainian um, side and, and document, you know, the, the issues there. Uh, same with... Uh, well, actually, in in the Congo, you, it's... it's you would not want to to document militias. Uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, your life is more precious than than any story. Um, but we will make calculated risks to bring you those stories as best we can. So, 
back to Mosul, uh, a general kind of day would be, you know, driving for, well, uh, three, four hours. You'd go through 26 checkpoints. You'd then meet up with the Iraqi um, special forces. You're in Humvees. You would then drive through IED-filled broken streets. Uh, You would see people fleeing you know, uh, squash beside the, you know, trying to get past the, the Humvees. Uh, you would then get to a frontline kind of area or a staging post where you would see human shields coming out, the last of the human shields. And at that point, th- this was quite a dangerous uh, point because people, uh, ISIS, uh, were in amongst the those fleeing and... You could look on the ground. You could see the remnants of of an IED of a suicide bomber. Um, they also, you know, people that were coming out were they hadn't eaten in in so long. We were told uh, one story that people had been eating cardboard soaked in water. Um, so this is these are pretty extraordinary scenes that you you get to witness. At the same time. There are coalition airstrikes going on. There are, um, as I said before, IEDs, live IEDs. Um, there is gunfire. There's artillery. Um, but you also, in these places, you see extraordinary acts of bravery and um, you see extraordinary um, dignity of people that have endured the pretty much the unimaginable. So... You know, they're long days, they're hot, um, or sometimes very cold, depending on hmm. where you are. And um, But, you know, it's sleepless nights, but it's worth it. It's worth, it's worth going in there. It's worth bringing their stories out. Yeah. And because a lot of times you, you don't actually feel that you're photographing or, or interviewing people for a news story. You feel that you're taking the testimony of war crimes. You mentioned before you take, sometimes take calculated risks. Mm. Um, does the company have like a policy on that, or do, do they know that you sort of um, you'll you'll make those decisions no. yourself? Or? There, there are rigid. There are very rigid yeah. uh, Poli- policies, yeah. and we go through the, the hoops and make yeah. sure that their safety is yeah. yes. But we're also very very experienced at mm-hmm. at this. Um, we've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, it's, you know, to be honest, no different uh, than Nick, you know, covering storms. Mm. You you spend, uh, you know, years uh, following a situation. You can read uh, how a battle, you know, um, or a situation will unfold. You know who the players are. Um, you you have invested in years and years of contacts and, and friendships. You, you know, you do your homework and... The calculated risks, well, look, you could walk out on the street and get hit by a bus, as the saying goes, sure. but, um, you know, it's it's important that we continue to, to cover these kind of things. Have you ever done something in retrospect you thought, ooh, that was um, more risky than I thought it would be? She's not going to share that with you. <laughs> I am absolutely not going <laughs> to. No, but things no. have happened sometimes, have they? That... Oh, look, and you, you know, put... there's been moments of adrenaline-fueled situations. But, again, you can't control every element of of, of what happens in your day. Yeah, it's just like it happened anywhere to anyone. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, look at the flotilla. We were on that. We'd informed both 
you know, the, the Israeli government and, um, the, you know, we were on this boat and that we would we were journalists and then an attack happens. Uh, you know, it's half an hour of, of an intense violence but, um, you know, you, you do all the preparations and some things are beyond your control. Mm. Yep. Amazing stuff. Um, look, we should wrap this up shortly. Just give me a little taste, um, Nick and Kate, is there, a, is there an assignment you haven't done that you'd like to do? Is there a, um, anything on your doing, list you haven't ticked off? <laughs> huh? uh, I'd like to um, spend a bit of time on volcanoes, actually. Mm. Um, it's probably more not something I'll necessarily do for the Herald, but more um, I, I have embarked on a project to do portraits of the volcanoes of the, on the Ring of Fire. Um, so that's, but that's just a very long, long, long term sort of thing. But for me, it's um, just continuing to photograph um, the weather in particular of Australia and how people um, react to it, whether or not you, um, you know, uh, you know, whether you're reacting to climate change or, or not. It's, 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 if you go out and photograph a drought, it's still an intense thing. Um, animals suffer, people suffer. Um, and so if, for me, it's, it's doing that, particularly with so little media in, in um, regional and, um, and central Australia, um, covering those areas for the stuff that I do best, which is um, essentially without people. You get people out of my photographs, it's distracting. <laughs> I just want animals and, and, and dust. Um, but that's, yeah, what, what I want to continue. I mean, I know I, I love this. It's obsessive. I mean, I do it in my spare time. Um, yeah, it's what I'll do until I, you know, get picked up and flung a few kilometres by a tornado, I guess. Well, let's hope that never happens. Mm, yes. So we'll watch out for your volcano images. I guess the Herald, I'm sure they'd publish something. But you also run a, uh, a nice little website. You've got some of your... Your, your images up there, I think. Which yeah, are, but these days, um, like, um, really, the real driver is Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, that's where okay. a lot of the photographers are, and um, where the um, good work is is able to stand out. It just um, it's really consistency is getting it out and then um, getting recognised. Plus, it makes me feel loved when people send me little hearts. <laughs> it makes me feel good. And then when people so, say I'm bad or something, or Mags yells at me or something so like that, predictable. I just go well. <laughs> This person says that they love me and they said it was a really good picture. Yeah. See what I'm dealing with on a uh, daily basis? I don't know how you do it. Um, Kate, just finally from you, anything you you haven't been to, somewhere you haven't been you'd like to? or uh, There's there's not enough time really <laughs> to get into the okay. locations. Yeah. Um, no, just like Nick, to continue with what we're passionate about. And yeah. um, You like being on the road? Is oh, 100%. Your passion? I'd yeah. prefer to be on the road 100%. How, how long can you last in Sydney or something without getting itchy feet? And uh, I think um, the limit is, I think, maybe 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, Kate, Kate's, uh, Kate's uh, feet start getting smelly and itchy as soon as she gets back on a, uh, back on a Qantas plane. Yeah. Yeah, she starts hearing that Australian accent. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, it was great hearing about, um, about your work, um, Knowing some of it's uh, on display there at that photos 1440 as part of the um, Head On Photo Festival. Paddington uh, Reservoir. Yep, people. Paddington Reservoir. <laughs> um, Mags, great hearing about uh, your you work at the Herald. Yeah. And um, may it continue. Yeah, Thank and we'll you know much. if you went because we'll watch on Instagram. Yes. And we're tracking you as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.